Um, Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 46. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is like the smallest seed of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So it was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Then he left the crowd and went into his house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the heaven of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. Just want us to bring ourselves back here in the presence of God. Take a deep breath. Heavenly Father, we thank you yet for another day. We thank you for your promises in our lives and we thank you that you are always with us. And as we share your word together, it is our prayer that your spirit will lead us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I think last week we from last week, last week, and previous weeks, we've been looking at the kingdom of God, the kingdom reality. We're looking at the kingdom that we are part of. And the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but if you take from Genesis to Malachi, it speaks about the reign of a king. Someone who is to come, especially up to Malachi, 
there were a lot of prophecies about someone who was coming. And his reign, he was going to set people free in this reign from the deception of the devil and the devil's plan. And the kingdom of this particular king was termed the kingdom of God, which is a spiritual realm over which God reigned as a king. And primarily, that was the G, I mean, our Lord Jesus Christ's main message when he first came. And when we look at the three synoptic gospel, um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see Jesus preaching out about the kingdom of God. And the devil claimed to be the king of this world. So part of Jesus' plan or agenda is to reveal to us the plans of this devil for us to bring the reign of God's kingdom on this earth. And Jesus said, he is going to be the king of this world. But the devil was aware of that. That is why when Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter 4, the devil claimed to Jesus, all these I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus knew about this. Devil was intending to change God's plan. But Jesus had a bigger picture in mind. The kingdom of God. And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. But now my kingdom is from another place. In John chapter 18. The kingdom of this world will end. But that of God has no end. And that is why Jesus... That is why Jesus came to reveal to us the plans of the enemy. And these plans of the enemy, the only agenda that the enemy came to this world is to steal, to kill, and destroy. John 10.10 10. But glory be to the king of this universe, the king of this kingdom of God, who came for us to have life and have it more abundantly. In the kingdom of God, as the prophets and others promised, there were anticipation of a king to come and reign. In Daniel chapter 2, Daniel prophesied of a reign of a king. In Obadiah, Obadiah prophesied the reign of a king to come. And this kingdom is not going to be the kingdom of this world, but a king who is going to rule with power and authority. Haggai prophesied the same thing. There is going to be a time when the Lord will be the Lord of this world. We'll take over the plans of the enemy. We'll dismantle the weapon and the schemes of the enemy. And he is going to be the reign 
of this age. And in Zechariah 14, the Lord will be the king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord, and his name is the only name that we will know of. These are the promises and the declarations of this prophet about the king of this kingdom. And we have been anticipating, because we know of what the prophet says, that who is this king? What is going to be happening when this king comes? And Isaiah prophesied for us to have a glimpses of the nature of the reign of this king. In Isaiah 36, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stones from your flesh and give you the heart of flesh. Jeremiah prophesied the same in Jeremiah 31, 33, that I will put my law within them and I will write on their heart and I will be their God and they will be my people. This isn't the kind of king the Israelites at those times were looking out for. They were expecting someone powerful. They were expecting someone judgmental, someone to judge the evil deeds of the enemy. But they never saw Jesus doing this. It was widely that, you know, anticipated that these people were expecting someone who is supernatural. A supernaturally endowed person, intermediary, the Messiah they were looking out for wasn't the kind of Messiah they saw in Jesus. Whose function, possibly, they were anticipating someone who was to come to judge and make decisions. No wonder John the Baptist was questioning the authority of Jesus in Matthew 11. Go back and ask again. Here I am, I've been arrested by Herod. Here I am in prison. I have publicly declared that this is the son of God. During the baptism, I declared him, I announced and I affirmed him, thinking that this king that I have affirmed will protect us, will set us free, will just overturn Herod's regime. But here we are, the king, the prophets in the prison. So John the Baptist says, just go back and find out. Just ask him. Is he the one that we should expect in this kingdom? Because we know the kingdom has arrived. We know there should be a freedom for us. We know the devil, Herod, shouldn't be reigning at this time. I have publicly declared, I know within me that this is the very person that the kingdom belongs to. But I am a prison. I'm suffering. What again am I going to do? Just go and ask him, is he the one that we have to wait? Or there is someone else coming? And Jesus told John the Baptist, don't worry. Just go and tell John the Baptist, the blind receive sight, 
the lame walk. The leprosy are clean. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is now being proclaimed. John never anticipated such a king. But a king to destroy Herod. The others, John the Baptist, classified them in our reading as weeds. But a king, this particular king, says, no, let them grow together. Give them second chance. And Jesus recommended us to come under his rule so that we can experience the blessings and advantage that flows in living under Jesus' rule. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. The kingdom is like yeast in a reading that we heard. The kingdom is like a precious pearl which one experiences it has nothing worth to compare. The kingdom of God, the reign of God, there is nothing that can be compared. The kingdom is more valuable than any other thing that we can have. And we are being challenged to obtain it. And nothing is more precious than the kingdom of heaven. Yet, God gives it to us as a gift. A gift that is given to anyone. Just your heart is needed. God requires you to make a decision. The choice are yours. You don't need any qualification to be part of this kingdom. You don't need any special degree for you to be part of this kingdom. When we have a rare encounter of this kingdom within us, among us, we always thirst for righteousness. And righteousness here that will seek people feeling themselves, I mean connecting people to Jesus will lead people to be set free. Righteousness that will lead people to know the schemes and the plans of the enemy. Righteousness that will not allow the lies of enemy and its accomplices to avoid us to move out of our comfort zone. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We are recommended to thirst for righteousness. That is the way we can bring peace to this world. We are the salt of the world. Christ's spirit lives in us. And Christ's life on earth is our ultimate example. I know whenever we speak of righteousness, it's all about judgment. But Jesus is not after that. Righteousness here is the ability to stand in for what is right. Ability to exemplify Jesus' life on earth. An ability to challenge. 
For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. It is not a merrymaking, but a responsibility to seek that others are set free. To share our testimony with others. To walk in faith, knowing that the devil's intention is to put people into captivity and to spiritual slavery. And in that righteousness, we seek to set those people free. We yearn, we desire, we pray, and we command because the Spirit of God is in us. Matthew chapter 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Before we think about all other things being added unto us. In our seeking for this righteousness. That is how God is going to all other things. I mean, add all the other things as well. Are we seeking for righteousness? Let's seek for those who are feeling captured by the world. Consumed by the things of this world. And this righteousness we are talking about is not a righteousness for you to point someone as being right or wrong. But it's a righteousness to journey alongside someone you feel needs help with love. Righteousness who always sees beyond the curtain. Righteousness who always feels and knows what is going on in your neighbor's life. Righteousness who desire always for the good of the others as well. And I know it's very relative for us to think about how do I even identify that someone needs my help? But I think we all have the spirit of God in us. And sometimes we have glimpses of things within our heart that God will point out to us to get ourselves connected to specific people, individual, that we know that this person that we know of is in a specific need. Because the spirit of God is in us, we don't sit unconcerned. We care for others. And in a reading, let's sow that seed, the master seed. Let's sow the master seed. It may be small, insignificant. And I was wondering because when you look at the gospel reading that we read, it started with a man and a woman, another section. So God is trying to paint the picture, breaking that patriarchal kind of leadership role that was going on in the Judaism culture. Bringing us all together. It wasn't those times when it's all about men. It's all about men. Men were in charge. Jesus came together to bring all of us together. His righteousness wasn't meant for a specific gender. His righteousness wasn't intended for a specific group of people. The righteousness that Jesus set a good example of is for all of us. 
We live in righteousness. We proclaim and desire and thirst for righteousness. The master seed is very small among all the other seeds. But when it grows up, it becomes very giant. The east in the door is significant, but it influenced later on. We know what happened. We will have a, a bread afterwards, after today's service. So we see it pops out very big. It may be insignificant. You may think that the input that you can make in someone's life may be insignificant. But that is what God is using the east and the master seed to exemplify. Don't belittle the things that God has placed in you. Invest. Let's miss up the world with the east of our character. Let's invest the master seeds that we have within our lives and allow God to grow it up. And Jesus said, For indeed the kingdom of God is within you in Luke 14, um, 17, verse 21. The kingdom of God is within you. When we accept Jesus as our Lord, Jesus fills us up with the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit empowerment that will enable us to desire and thirst for righteousness. So the kingdom reality issues that we are talking about here, one of the elements for us as people of God to be desiring for is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. When we are under the lordship of Jesus and allow Jesus to journey with us, that is how we experience the kingdom of God in our lives. It is not a rules, it is not regulations, but it's righteousness, it's peace, it's joy in the Holy Spirit. According to Paul's letter to Romans chapter 14. Today, Jesus lives and reigns in our heart of all believers. And one way for us to discern Jesus' plan in our lives and to know the schemes and plans of the enemy is to desire to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I don't know how you understand who the Holy Spirit is. So I say, walk by spirit, and you will not gratify the desire of the flesh. Paul wrote to Galatians. You walk by the Spirit. You discern with the Spirit. You yearn for the spiritual things. You pray that God should empower you, give you revelation, things that you want to know, things that you want God to reveal unto you, things that you desire in your life, things that you want God to give you glimpses of. There is no way we can without the Holy Spirit. It is only the Holy Spirit that can do this. It is not by their power. That is why sometimes Paul even said it. The very things that I want to do are the things that I find it myself not doing there. But the things that I really want to do. So Paul said, I can't do what I have to do. 
But those things I don't want to do are the things that I do, if I put it that way. It is not about us, because when we depend on our strength, our strength always fails us in this kingdom that God has called us into. It is not about strength, because our strength has limitation. It is not our strength, because our strength can take us to a certain point and leaves us, because of our humanity. Human nature is such that nothing of us is perfect. The only perfect God we know is the one that reigns in the kingdom of God. And the only way we can do this is tuning our ears, tuning our heart to the Holy Spirit. Going back to what Ezekiel said, I'm going to be the Lord of their heart. Their heart will be transformed. I will turn their heart of stone to flesh. These are the declaration. And Jesus Christ, when he came, the righteousness that Jesus was talking about is a righteousness of heart. Circumcision of heart. Paul spoke about that. Circumcision of heart. Not a physical circumcision that we all know of. Our heart needs to be circumcised. And we can't just use knife to circumcise our heart. It's by the Holy Spirit. The seal of our salvation. It is the Holy Spirit that will transform our heart and help us to be kingdom-minded. Without that, we can't. The Holy Spirit will give us hope and guide us to stand firm. The Holy Spirit will give us hope to defend what is right. The Holy Spirit will give us hope to move beyond our limitation. The Holy Spirit will give us strength to be able to penetrate where our normal strength can't. The Holy Spirit gives us strength to do things that we ought not to be doing. It is the Holy Spirit. The devil knows about that. And the issues of the Holy Spirit nowadays has become a mystery fallacy. People don't even want to hear about it. Reflect on that. If the devil was able to use the word as an element to, I mean, to try to change Jesus' mind, Then, another thing that I want us to think about is the word of God as an element in this kingdom. The Holy Spirit within us, but the Holy Spirit gives us meanings to the word of God when we read. It's just a book. The Bible is just a book. Without the inner conviction of the Spirit, it's just an ordinary book for us to be reading. It's maybe just a story of someone who lived in the first century. But it gives only meaning and connections to our contemporary life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And the writer of Ephesians, obviously Paul, in chapter 6 said, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit 
for us to penetrate, for us to cut, for us to move, for us to move beyond the barriers, it's just the word. For our head to be protected, our mind to be protected, because when we put on helmet, they protect our brain. <laughs> Whenever we have accidents, they protect us. And the mind can only be protected when the mind is filled with the word of God. That is why the enemy tested Jesus with a word. If you are, if you are, not that the enemy didn't know Jesus was. He's very aware of that. But he can only overcome him because he knew the word as well and wanted Jesus to know that he knew the word. If Jesus was tempted using the word and if Jesus overcame the devil by quoting back the word, then what will happen to us in our journey in the world without the word? We may be told anything by the devil, but because we know the word of God, it has always had a root in our mind. We reflect on the word. I know things are not going on well with me, I know things are not working as expected in my life. I know things are not moving as I expected. But this is what the Lord God has said about me. In the kingdom of God of which I am part of. This is what the king has spoken about me. In the very way that the king himself has written. This is the very way that the king has spoken about my life. And your mind becomes settled. Because you know. You know that you know. The enemy can't, can't do anything. I just want to encourage one another. Let's know that this kingdom that we find ourselves, that the enemy claimed to be the ruler, we have the kingdom in us. We have the kingdom of God in us. We have the spirit of God in us. We have been activated by the Holy Spirit to speak and to stand for what is right. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know about. Who are you? Think about that. At 19. We may feel we have small faith. I just want to encourage you to plant it. Invest it. And never allow the smallness to limit you. Grow it. It may be small as yeast. Just mix it up with the door of life to influence people's life. The kingdom belongs to royals. And you are one of them. Live a life free from accusations and self-defeating plans of the enemy. And let descend with the Holy Spirit to help and guide us to always be kingdom-minded, knowing that the one who has called us is always faithful. Shall we pray? Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you?
What will you say when someone asks you, are you a child of God? Can you confidently say that I believe in God? Can you confidently say that Jesus is my Lord? Father, we just come before you with our hearts. You know us, and you know who we are. We ask the Lord, may your spirit speak to our hearts in our journey, that as we reflect on our journey, in this kingdom that you have called us into, our hearts will be transformed and will impart lives in Jesus' name. Amen.